Now entering Nerdist.com. We're gonna make it. If we try, we're gonna make it. Touch the sky, we're gonna make it. Watch us fly, we're gonna make it. Okay. Yes, this is uh well it's uh <laughs> We are the offices of funnier die. Not that not that I wasn't excited. No. Um but yeah, let me just show how phony I am by being even more excited okay, now, that good. now that we're doing Amp it. it well, up. This isn't like a standard office. We've got some wood paneling here. Yes, it's, it's got very a, 70s. It's got like a log cabin vibe. It really does. And uh, unfortunately, we're moving mm-hmm. out of this office in about three months. And I won't you be are? able to take any of this said uh, wood paneling with me. Oh, that's too bad. It, um, it is too bad. Wait, I'm going to do the intro. Because I paid for it myself. You did? <laughs> yes. Oh, no. It's a startup. It's funnier or die. They're not going to give me money for that's miscellaneous true. wood paneling. Well, for those of you who don't know, who didn't read the description, I am talking to Mike Farah. What what do you do? Are you like president of production of Funny or Die? What's your what's your title? Yeah, my pretentious Hollywood title is uh, president of production. Well, that I just guessed that I wasn't even trying to be pretentious. I feel like that's like the right title. You know the game, Ricky. It just feels accurate. Yeah, you know the game because you do production and you you seem to be in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I do seem to be in charge. Yeah. That's, that's the key word. There. <laughs> yeah, no. So uh, I head up, I oversee production for the website, Funnier Die, our TV projects and our film projects. That's cool. It is cool. I like, I'm so happy to have you on here because I feel like I've never had anyone who does what you do on here. I feel like I've had, you know, directors and actors mm-hmm. and writers, but never anyone with, I feel like it's like, a new career that you couldn't have had, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah, no, that's uh there's some truth to that. Well, I'm still, I just love producing. Yeah. I, I love making things and I feel, and I've been at funnier die now for five years. So Will Ferrell and Adam McKay and Chris Henshi hired me to be the first producer at funnier die five years ago. And it, it was just kind of this perfect thing where, you know, they needed someone to kind of come in and help get stuff going and and I just knew that I could sell funnier die. I mean, when you're producing, you're just constantly selling people. Like yeah. everyone's got a dream, and you got to put together these different things and see what happens. And I just knew it's like that at this time it was just after the writers' strike, and there wasn't a ton going on. And I just knew I could kind of get people excited about this thing. But also, when you start with Will and McKay and Henchy, it's such an amazing head start. And Andrew yeah. Steele had just come over from from SNL. And I just felt like, oh, this is like, I literally felt like it was the opportunity of my life. So I just yeah. wanted to. So it was dedicate. kind of the five of you at the beginning? Um, no, it was, there was uh, the product. I mean, they were the founders mm-hmm. and it started about a year before I started. And so, yeah, no, the production team was much smaller back then. There's about um, seven or eight of us in a bungalow uh, on Whitley uh, off of uh, Hollywood. I remember I was I went to that office. Yeah, I re- this office is better. It is. This it office is has better. a slide. It does and wood paneling. And does yeah, and wood paneling. Wait, yeah. so you put the wood paneling in yourself? Uh, no, no, I just paid for the wood paneling. Oh, well, that's what in. I meant. I didn't mean you actually put it in. Yeah, come on, come our, on now. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't construct wood paneling. No, our some <laughs> amazing uh, production designers, uh, Martine and Ellie, put this all together for me. Martine, that's so nice. You might have worked with him. He, I won't try and do it in person. He's like, he's the greatest. Like little, just like Latino gay fireball. And uh, <laughs> he he, uh, he he referred to that corner without any prompting. No one can see this, but mm-hmm. we're looking at like this corner bar that he yes. built and he, he would call it always the gentleman's corner <laughs> without any sense of irony. And, and I just, a, well, there is a picture of Marianne Cotillard with tits on her face. Yes. I felt that was the perfect picture to adorn for the, uh, gentleman's, the gentleman's corner, corner. Yeah. but it's much funnier when Martine says it. Yeah. Um, so, it is very, it's very mad men that corner. There's just like liquor ready to go yes yes none of that liquor has ever been actually drank but it's i just showed up i didn't say give me liquor in my general (laughs) i just showed up and like there was liquor it was just there well martine put it there oh that's so nice and then you know in hollywood when you don't know someone very well but you want to send them something they send you liquor yes and I don't really drink a lot of liquor. So that's why there's like six bottles. You should actually take one <laughs> if you are a fan of Glenn The thing Fittich. is, if I take it, I'm just going to give it to someone else. So I would feel well, <laughs> wrong taking it because I will give it as a present. No, that's, that's the way to do it. That's a good present to give. Yeah. So one day, maybe those will be drunk. Consumed. You'll just turn into, uh, now I'm forgetting his name on Mad Men, Don Draper. Yeah. Yeah. I actually don't watch Mad Men. You don't? I tried. I, I, I don't... <sighs> 
I, I tried. I watched the first season. I don't know. I was bored. And really? I'm, I'm like predisposed to liking shows like that. Oh, like man. I read books about advertising in the 60s. I, I, I gave up. I need to get back into it. But I just, it's so It's good. like you said about the roast. Like I couldn't, I couldn't get it together. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't been able to get it together for the vast majority of uh, popular TV shows. Right. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I missed out on a lot. I missed out on a lot of reality shows. I've never seen American Idol or... The vo- I've never seen any of those things. And The Bachelor. Yeah, you're not missing a ton. No, I feel like it's too late to get into it. They're, it's just the exact same show. That's why they've, like, American Idol fired all the people, and they always have, like, it's it's the same show. It's amazing that it has stayed on as long as it, it has. But it has to be so much worse now because it's in, like, the 15th season. Potentially. I haven't watched it in a long time. I, I mean, should sur- go back and watch the Justin and Kelly season. <laughs> just like yes. watch old reality shows that I already know who won yes. out of all the things you haven't done. Like yeah. you should go back and, and revisit that. It and is then the maybe best do use like, of my time. Cause yeah, I have like, nothing else going on right do now. Do like some episode recaps on funnier die <laughs> American idol season. One. You guys, yeah. you will not believe what happened. <laughs> yeah. Poor Justin. I know. Well, yeah. And then they had that amazing movie, which I did see from Justin to Kelly. Yeah, I saw I that on a plane. That. Well, I just saw something like in us weekly about how that poor fellow is like, kind of like, bank poor not working much but i think he's gonna be on broadway soon oh well amazing it was like one of those things where they just say like oh yeah like four years ago he's struggling but now he's doing better and like i don't know it's us weekly so so the struggle is better it's better to report on that probably i guess i guess we're all you know we're all doing the best we can here when did you move to la uh almost 12 years really me too yeah when did what what year 2001 I moved in uh, November of 2001. Nice. I moved in August of 2001. I've always wondered like what it would have been like if I had met people I liked like early on. <laughs> like, like I, know. I don't, because I moved, it's not to say I didn't like people that I met, but I moved here from Michigan. And I, I didn't really know anyone or anything. And then you meet people like you who are very nice people are like, oh, wow, what if I just met you in 2002? And then who knows? You know, like when you meet people, you're like, oh, yeah, at a different point in my life, I could have been really good friends with that person. Mm-hmm. But then the door, the sliding doors have moved and now it's no one's being friends with anyone. I know. I feel like now if you to become friends with someone at our age, because I'm assuming now that we're the same age ish yeah. if we moved here at the same time that it has to come naturally and yeah. when you're 22 you can just like force it you're like i don't have friends either let's, yes. let's hang out every day and exactly it, yeah. and you have nothing to do right it's because la is not a town where there are many shared experiences yeah that's why you become such good friends when you actually work with someone on a movie because you're actually there together and it's like more than work friends that's not to say you you spent like you'll see them every day when you get back but you become like really close to people because you're sharing this experience and and in LA so much of it is just people kind of going in their own direction and you just kind of touch on people, but you never really dig in. That's true. Did you um, sort of lose the friends that you had when you first moved here? Did did it take you a while to find? I didn't really, I mean, I knew one kid who was an acquaintance. It was like grassroots when I got here. It, it, It was, no, I relate. I lived in Park La Brea. I didn't know anyone. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Park La Brea. My, I know. My former boss lived in Park La Brea. I worked really? out of Park La Brea for like nine months. Ooh. Yeah. What did you do there? I was an assistant to, to her. She was a producer. And, and she lived in Park La Brea? Yeah. She was like in between deals. So we just, I would just go and work out of her apartment in Park La Brea. Wow. That must, that sounds like the height of glamour. <laughs> <laughs> she had a nice apartment. She, she's awesome. Her name's Stephanie Elaine. She's still producing a ton of stuff. I'm still very close with her. And yeah, I would just show up and hang out with her son and, and roll calls and, and just stare. And she was like on the 12th floor. So like they have amazing views there. Mm-hmm. And there's so many nice like Asian American families there. And that's what yes. I remember. That's like, it's all Asian American families. Yes, that's true. Um, that's my Park La Brea story. Yeah, but it did take you a long time to find friends and a group. Oh yeah. What did you do for a job when you first got here? My very first job was working security at movie premieres. Oh gosh. Yeah. I met a girl. So I moved in with this guy who's a friend of a friend. Um, I did nothing to prepare for moving to Hollywood, which is (laughs) kind of disconcerting, but I just moved in with this guy. Wait, what could you have done to prepare though? 
I like convinced someone to move out with me and like not move to Brentwood. I didn't even right. know what Brentwood was, bro. Like, I moved to Brentwood. I mean, that shows you <laughs> yeah. how much I knew. Like there's some, right. oh yeah, this dude lives in Brentwood. He's looking for an apartment. Okay. Like all I yeah. knew about Brentwood was like OJ Simpson. Right. And I never even researched like, and went online and said, what does this even mean? I just, I don't know. I just did not give it much thought. And I mean, I saved up money and came out here, but it's just like I packed up my my truck at the time and it's just like very grassroots. So I met I met some people, but you know, it's just all very random. You you just kind of hang out with whoever you kind of meet because yeah. you don't meet a ton of people. So you know, so yeah, I worked security at movie premieres, and I still see the same guys that I worked with at they movie still premieres work now. Security. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, it's it's intense. They were all great. They were all kind of like uh, high school kind of dropouts or like a lot of former Marines. Oh, wow. And me. And, <laughs> and I got along with them really well. And I did it probably like, I don't know, I probably worked like 12 or 15 gigs. And um, and yeah, so it's just, it's definitely nuts to see them still work. It's not like I go up to them because like they would, but I, I kind of remember because I don't know. I just it was just like, oh, here I am working security at movie premieres. And I was a terrible security guard. I really? I, Why? I, I, I did not secure things very well. <laughs> I don't know because I had never really been to a movie premiere. So I was just looking around and be like, oh, this is really cool. I'll never forget the kid that I moved in with. His dad, hopefully he's not going to listen to this. He was a nice guy. We didn't have a ton in common. His dad was like an accountant to the stars. <laughs> Uh, I, I won't name names and he would go to movie premieres all the time and he would always complain about how lame they are and how boring and how they, they don't start on time. And ever since then, like from work in security to like now, it's just like movie premieres are like the greatest They're thing really ever. Cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a free movie. It's free popcorn. Like they give you a parking pass. You see friends. And you everyone's catch excited up. to be there. So the movie's better because everyone's yeah, like exactly. laughing louder. And, it's just and then you heightened. go to an after party where they're just giving you free booze and alcohol. It's like, I don't know what there isn't to like about this equation. Yeah, especially so if you're an me. accountant, like if you're working all day long on numbers, you'd want to like escape and see a movie and yeah drink a no, lot or whatever i, I felt I, I feel good about a premiere I, I feel like i need to go to one soon it's been a while what's the last one you went to <sighs> that's a good question did you go to hell baby no i couldn't make that um and i'd seen it at sundance oh um which was a, a ton of fun the midnight screening the premiere oh yeah that was um fun. i don't know i maybe i haven't been to a premiere and i know i've been to a premiere what uh, I went to This Is 40, which was intense. Um, I went with my ex-girlfriend, and it was just, <laughs> just too... You went with your ex? No, no. She was my girlfriend at the oh, time. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> I was like, why up. would you do that like, to yourself? Yeah, no, that was, that was a tough movie to get through, but we don't have to talk about that. Um, like a tough movie when you're in a relationship that's failing? Yeah, exactly. Like, right, yeah, because right. we're both uh, at the age of like, oh, wait, should we be talking about becoming like Leslie Mann and Paul Rudd at some point. Right. And it's like, no, because they're very nice people and they're having such a hard go of it. Right. Like, how are we ever <laughs> going to make it? So I, I was kind of thinking about that, but she, she was, I, I don't mean to disparage it. She, she was, she was awesome. It just kind of ran its course. No, it is weird when you're having problems and then you either see a mo like a couple or a movie or something where it's it's like you but worse and you're like oh yeah. i don't want to because the whole that. point of going to a movie is to essentially see a better version of yourself right so that's what escapism is all about that's why in hollywood when people read scripts they like them because they're they think they could be in it or it's speaking to their existence or their personal story or narrative or whatever so if you go to a movie and you just see like the crap version of yourself <laughs> And you're just like, well, I can't compete with this. Right. Like, I, I don't want to be faced with this reality. But I like and I, I never going to make it. Yeah, and I I give Judd Apatow a ton of credit for, you know, conveying a story like that. But just at the moment that we saw it, it wasn't wasn't ideal. I should have come up with a better premiere than that one that led us to down a, a dark hole. I remember the first time I went to see a stand up comedian. I was. Date, it was my boyfriend at the time and we were in the front row which I would never do again mm -hmm. but the comedian was asking us both what we do and whatever and we just moved to LA and, and he said to the guy did you I was move dating, with your boyfriend yeah oh wow yeah but how it long ended, did that last not long yeah. <laughs> not long but, <laughs> yeah but he said to he said to him in front of the whole audience he goes she's gonna leave you and it, which is a weird because you know comedians are usually jokey and stuff he's like she's gonna leave you she's gonna figure out 
that she can do much better and she's going to leave you. And it was just like, had he thought it was he insecure about that already? I I don't know. It probably made him so. Yeah. And then it was a really long drive home and it was just like, Oh God. Yeah. When I speak to different kids who are coming here in different classes and they talk about how they're moving their boyfriend or girlfriend, I'm just like, it's like people who get married when they're 24. It's right. like, well, you think you have something <laughs> like, figured luck. out that yeah. N- like, yeah, maybe one out of 10 can make it, but mm-hmm. it's just, you know, I guess everyone's got to learn on, on their own time. Do you have a lot of kids that come here that you speak to? <laughs> um, well, we have a ton of interns. Mm-hmm. We probably have, uh, I don't know, 10 or 15 interns, like four or five times a year. So in the five years I've been here, we've gone through lots of interns and different classes, you know, we'll, we'll talk to about just, you know, how to funnier die and, and how to make online videos. And, and then they'll ask me questions about, you know, how I got to this place and, and stuff like that. So, um, if any of them so, are listening, yeah. they might've heard so, all of this. Yeah, this so is all recycled material. Place? So what happened after the security guard job? Did you get a kind of showbiz job? Yeah, no. I I met uh, a kid, a crazy kid who called himself Cowboy. Uh, he spelled it K O W B O I. Oh, nice. And he was a um, he was an <laughs> army brat, and he was a busboy at the Standard on Sunset. And at the time, the the Standard had only been open for like a year, so it's still like pretty popping. And um, he got me a, a job interview because everyone there, I remember seeing it. Like everyone there is like you know an aspiring you know model, actor, musician, writer, the yeah. whole thing. It's like really hard to get a job because there's you can make a lot of money. And he got me an interview, and I had to have like three interviews, and then they hired me to be a food expediter. So what I, is that? that? I wasn't a, a waiter. I wasn't a busboy. I was just the dude who brought you food. I expedited so you just, food. You just set plates down. Yeah, pretty and you much. didn't get tips. No, I got tips. I got oh, okay. tipped out. I got tipped out. But yeah, I was just I was a food expediter. So I was I did that. I was at the standard. I did not know that was a job. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> you should pay more attention to the food expediters out there. They're it's a hard working lot. I'm sure. Um, and the kid who actually trained me is an actor who's I I think is still doing pretty well. Josh Stewart, who was uh, he was in Benjamin Button. He's been in a bunch of stuff. I haven't seen him in years, but he's the guy who That's trained cool. me to be a food expediter. Um, and yeah, so I was there and then I, I worked the day shift. I worked the overnight shift. I did a lot of, uh, unpaid internships and I did a Where did lot. you intern? Well, the, the best story is that I, I interned at, uh, new Regency, which is a, a production company slash mini studio on Fox's lot. And I was actually fired from an unpaid internship at new Regency. <gasps> what? Yeah, How? It's that, actually possible. <laughs> Um, I had even, like I even your free work, get out. Yeah, no, I had to enroll in a, in Santa Monica community college, a two credit class. I already graduated from college. I had to take a community class, a community college class, nothing against community colleges, but I had already, but you I, already had a degree. Grad, yeah. Just to be able to, t- to have this unpaid internship that I subsequently fired from in three weeks. It was a terrible internship. I'd tell them right now it's a terrible internship. What did you have to do? It was kind of like a room. uh, They would put you in a room kind of twice the size of this, my office, with a bunch of copiers there. And all you did was make copies for people. And then they would they would make you put your initials on the back of the script. So if they're missing pages, they would know how to blame, know who to blame. (laughs) And they kept blaming me because I had so many missing pages because I would just... (laughs) I would just go and, and, and walk around the lot and kind of daydream and take the golf carts around. Right. Uh-oh, we got a knock. Wait, pause. pause. Interruption. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Put him through. Okay. Pause. Important calls. Lots going on. We'll be back. <laughs> We are back. That was a funnier diet emergency, <laughs> but I feel like that's what your life is like. I feel like it's yeah, hurry yeah. up and wait. Hurry up and wait. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot of that. I, there's just so much back and forth with celebrities and celebrity talent and managers and stuff like that. It, it's all it's all fun. It's just <sighs> a lot. Do you have any good stories about that they can share, or is it kind of hush hush? I'm terrible at, at, at answering questions like that. I'm uh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't speak directly about any, this, this is such a lame answer. I, I just wouldn't. You're, you're like a celebrity accountant. Like you can't talk about their money <laughs> a little. Like I, <laughs> I don't tweet about like people I meet or who's doing videos. I just feel like, you know, that's, that's their business. It's tacky. I, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And 
not that if people do that, I think it's sad. It's just not for me. It's something I choose not to do. Right. So I would never, I, and I don't even have any go-to stories. There are so many th- and like the volume, you don't sit back and think like, Oh, that was crazy. What just happened? Because there's so much of it going on. I just am already on to the next thing. I, I don't think about what I just, it's just one other thing to like cross off my to-do list. Really? Yeah. Are you really type A? Uh, type A. Me like 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 organized like asshole and, type A. No 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 like organized and proficient and oh yeah oh I was thinking Not like asshole. alpha like alpha. Oh I, no no I, no. When you said type A. I thought like alpha and sometimes when you hear like alpha, it's like kind of no. like a douchebag. So bag. are you an asshole? Yeah. No, I I've never asked anyone on my podcast if they were an asshole. No, that is not true. I did ask someone that, oh, good. but it was in the past. No, I don't think I'm type A. I I just there's just so many things to do that I just. I mean, I just have a list of things. Oh, that is a crazy list. This is outdated. That uh, is really long. There's like 200 things on that list. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's not even like fully updated. <laughs> um, but no, look, I, these, I, 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 no, this is great. What I get to do, I, I can't believe I get paid to do what I get to do. So this is all just part of the fun. Oh, wait, I remember where we left off. Yes. You got fired. From an unpaid internship and new regency, and you did not tell me why. Yeah, just you were I, making I was, yeah, like general insubordination and basically incompetence is what I was fired for because I couldn't. I I would never turn in scripts that had all the pages because I was I was daydreaming or reading the scripts or they had these huge filing cabinets that would have. Well, we were just talking about Fight Club. They would have this uh, huge filing cabinet that had like all the budgets and script revisions and emails between David Fincher and Brad Pitt and Ed Norton talking about. It was just like a a, a papered history. You're like, of the I want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would I would put the 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 copier on. It was supposed to do its thing, and then I would go to the next room where they had all these these huge vaults of information. And I would right. just read through them because they made some good movies. Yeah. No thanks to me, obviously. Right. But that's why after three weeks they said uh, you can leave now. How many unpaid internships did you do? Probably eight. Really. I had so I, it was very. I, I mean, I was starting from scratch, and you know, like you, mm-hmm. I had no foundation, so I was just and I was working at the standard the whole time, mm-hmm. um, and it was just, yeah. I mean, it, no one gives this to you out here, and actually, I'm very appreciative that that's how it had to to be for me because then you do appreciate it so much more. Mm-hmm. Like if someone just you know, is handed a job, how many people are handed a job actually do something well with it? It, it, It's, it's not, it's a very low percentage. So, um, it definitely didn't happen overnight, but I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy as how about, you know, where I am now. During that time, did you know that you wanted to be a producer or were you still figuring it out? You knew. Okay. Did yeah, you I remember. I remember one of the producers, no, cause I didn't even know what a producer was really. Mm-hmm. I didn't even really know you could have a job in entertainment as strange as that, as that sounds. Cause I just, it was so far outside. Well, you're of, like, there's actors, there's directors, there's writers. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. But, but, but that's it. Yeah. But even then I, you don't think about it. You just go and like credits are the things you just skip at the end of a movie. You don't right. really pay attention to it. Um, so no, I remember, I do remember though, I've always liked, well, I do like being organized and, and responsible and, and just kind of, you know, just, uh, I don't know, making things happen as, as lame as that sounds. I remember that one of the internships, um, a producer that I was helping out, he was trying to cast a movie with Hugh Jackman and the, the Hugh Jackman wanted to do it, but it, it was right before the first X-Men. So he was going to have the beard of the Wolverine beard. Right. And and the producer is trying to figure out how to make it work with or without the beard. And I do, I do remember thinking to myself, what a great problem to have. Right. <laughs> You're getting paid to worry, to figure contemplate out Hugh Jackman's beard. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, this is a thing you can do. I was just like, all right, well, this is just what I'm going to do. I, I figured out within two weeks of m- moving to LA, I was never going to leave. And and after that, it, it was actually a, a very big weight off my shoulders because I had no idea what I wanted to do after school. <laughs> And um, this sounds a little conceited. I was like, no, but it's so scary when you don't know when you're just like, yeah. yeah. And I was like pretty good at a lot of things, but Mm -hmm. not great at anything, which is like the perfect thing to be a producer. Like, because you don't have to be great at anything. You just have to like be pretty good at a lot of stuff. (laughs) And then, and then it just all equals out. And uh, I don't know. That sounds a little conceited, but that's just kind of how I felt. And 
I've been out here, yeah, 12 years. How did you know two weeks in that you were never going to leave? It's just a feeling I had. It's just like, this is the best. I mean, the weather. I had the same thing, like, right away. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the weather is great. That's what I was like, oh, I'm like, it's so sunny and gorgeous. Yeah. I love being outside too. I mean, the, this, the weather is great. I just love the hustle. Everyone out here has something that they're trying to do. And, and I do, and I love just the, the, I'm a, yeah, I just love the dream. Like just being a dreamer. It's like, it's great to like have these dreams and then actually be able to, you know, implement them. And so I don't like when I say like, Oh, it's just another thing to check off my two. Like, I don't take it for granted. I, I, I love checking those things off. I'm just in a position now where there are so many dreams <laughs> to, to manage. <laughs> like I celebrate for one second that, okay, now that's happening. And then those people are happy and they go off and do their thing. And then I just keep doing my thing. And that's how we, we work. Yeah. How many shorts do you guys do a month at funny or die? Or how many did you do back when you started? Well, now we're up to, oh man, when I started, um, they, yeah, they weren't doing a ton. They just needed someone who kind of was going, I knew there were so many funny people working on Funnier Die, Seth Morris and Jake Samansky and Owen Burke and Eric Capel and, and Ryan Perez and a bunch of others. And they just kind of, just like I knew I could sell Funnier Die because of Will to the Hollywood community, I knew once I met these guys and saw and girls and saw how funny they were, I was like, "Oh, all people need to do is meet these people, and this will happen." So I started setting as many meetings as possible, and we were able to. We were very fortunate and able to get a bunch of stuff going quickly. So I don't even. I remember having to have like the, f- the first produce. Like we were just. I had no idea I was going to have to think about this today. So it's like, it's like flooding back to me. Like, yeah, it was just nonstop. Cause I was the only person and, and you know, a good producer, you know, is the first person on set and the last person to leave. And, and I had some, you know, great young interns and people like that to help, but it was just balancing a lot. And I, I loved it cause I, and I still love, I still love it. And, and, and working with those guys and, and girls and, and getting people to do stuff that no one had ever really done before. And, and it, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I just, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I'm having a great time articulating this. It, it's, just, <laughs> it's just so much fun. It's just like, especially for someone who didn't grow up here and I had no connection to the greater Will Ferrell and Adam McKay economy, um, to be able to work with them and, and cause I was obviously huge fans of theirs to begin with and now to be, to work with them and, and be friends with them. It's just, it's just nuts, man. Yeah. That's pretty insane. That's, that's insane. It's so Uh-oh, cool. We got a real time update. What happened? Uh, we have to hit pause. Okay. <laughs> right. Hitting pause. So we're back. Funny or die emergency solved, at least for right now. Yes. Right. Until the next one. Right. But it's a good emergency because yeah. it's not an emergency. It's just good stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe people will find out soon. We can. The an- news I already know. Yeah, that's Look true. Look at me. <laughs> so we could announce it on your next podcast. Insider. Yeah. yeah that emergency. <laughs> everyone was dying to know about. This is what happened. We were yep. like, that was, that? was that's uh, why you had to hit pause two yep. times. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, guys. Pretty much. Um, so where do we leave off? You did a bunch of internships and then is that, is that after that, is that when you started working for the Park La Brea woman? No, uh, my big break. So I was fired mm. from the standard. Yeah. Oh, you uh, were? Yeah. For what? Um, well, they had this system where if you, if you didn't do things that they asked, they would actually give you demerits and they would put them in your employee profile. And, um, oh, I got geez. a lot of demerits yeah. because I was, I never really was thrilled about cleaning things like in the middle of the night. <laughs> and then they had, cause that's like, I was working in the graveyard ship yeah. and, um, then they had new management come in and they saw all the demerits that I had in my, my, my folder. And then I was fired. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was, I was amazed that I lasted as long as I did. I was there for over two years, which is like, yikes. Um, so my big break was getting a job at UTA. Oh, um, really? Did you work in the mailroom? Like, did you go through that whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. What? So I got a job. How did you a, get that job? Funny you ask that, Ricky. I, um, 
A friend of mine, Yoni Brenner, uh, who's a very talented writer, was staying on the sofa at my apartment, and he had one. He's from. He went. I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, and he went to the University of Michigan and, and won some writing awards. Mm-hmm. And Peter Benedict, who's one of the founders of UTA, is a big Michigan guy. And so Yoni was staying on my my sofa, and he was just like, "Oh, I heard Peter Benedict is having a, a party at his house, like a fundraiser for Michigan film students." And I was like, "Yoni, we got to go to the party. That's how I'm going to get a job." And we went, and we were able to kind of like sweet talk like the elderly ladies like working the door. And we went in, and um, I introduced myself to Peter, and I spoke to him for like sixty seconds. And uh, the next day, I actually woke up with a job offer. And so he literally changed my life. Whoa. What yeah. did you guys talk about? Michigan sp- sports. We we're hitting pause. Pause. Wait, do you have an update? Pause. Funny day emergency <laughs> solved once again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're back. Now I forget again where we left off. Uh, oh, oh the UTA. UTA, yes, yes. So, uh, What did very, you guys talk about? The very kind and benevolent uh, Peter Benedict. We talked probably about a little bit about Michigan football, which I love talking about, and, and UTA. And I had to write a book called The Mailroom that I love. I still love. I've read it like five times. It's basically an oral history of all these people who came up at the in various agency mail Really? Rooms. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, and and I don't know. I maybe just like the cut of my jib, but he, I, I woke up with a, a job offer, and that that dramatically changed my life. Because even though I had all these silly internships and and done all this stuff, I still you, very much felt like a, a little bit on the outside. You were not in, in the game. Yeah, I was not exactly. Yeah. I was not in the game. Yeah. Um, but going to UTA definitely, put, in a very small way, put me in, a, in the game. But also. I was just like, this is great. I loved everything about it. And also, not to, again, to disparage anyone, but like you could just tell people took it for granted. So it's that much easier to differentiate yourself when you really want to be there and you're good at it. Right. Then people who are like, oh, I'm in the mailroom. I love the mailroom. Yeah. I, it, was, it was right, not to outdate myself, it was the right. I was in the mailroom right when the very first Apprentice started with Donald oh Trump. And that was like a huge show when it came yeah. out. Like it was like people talked about it and, and things like that. It wasn't like the celebrity apprentice and all that gibberish. And that's what the mailroom is like. You know, everyone like is kind of like friends, but kind of plotting against each other and you trying to your, get on desks. Yeah, and yeah, try, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you have like your allegiances and your alliances and everyone's like, like talking and trying to give you uh, agencies are just, it's amazing how much unsolicited advice just flows <laughs> through agencies that and like just total delusions of grandeur and just in, incredible senses of entitlement it's oh i'm sure yeah it's like unintentional comedy as far as the eye can see it's great i, I want to read that book now wait was dave bernard in the uta mailroom with you yes yeah I, yes. he did my podcast oh great and he was telling me about his time at the uta mailroom and yeah, finally getting on a desk and is that how you guys met each other that is how we met that's each how other. i met you yes it was through dave bernard and yes. bitsy yes many years ago at I a do bar remember that i don't remember what bar oh that was bld Oh my gosh, was dinner. that it? Yeah. Did we? Yeah. See, I don't remember that part. How do I not? Rem- I don't remember the food part, but I remember meeting you and Dave. What was that? I, I still was confused about that whole. Was he dating someone? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know what that was. And I remember being in a. I'm I'm kind of moody uh, at times, and like if I'm not in like a social mood, because I spend. At, I expend a lot of social energy working here. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, I just I'm talking the whole right. time. And I, I, I definitely don't have to hear myself talk. I'm, I'm on a podcast. I'm supposed to. Well, now to you be have to this. talk. Now yeah, because if you don't, then it's a really bad podcast. Yeah, um, but I remember that dinner. I was just like, "What am I supposed to be doing here? It, it, like, am I supposed to? It was we were we just friends? Was it just? I, I, I still don't have, I have the answers. Literally, absolutely no idea. Yeah, my Bitsy. Like, she was an yes, actress, right? Yes, she is. She's on that show Grim now. Oh, cool. Yeah. No, but Bitsy was like, hey, I'm going to dinner with two friends. You want to come? I'm like, yeah, sure. Because that's when I had time to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, that was all I knew of the evening. Huh. I I believe she was trying to fix me up with Dave. Ah, I see. That is that is what I believe. But I don't know. I, it could just be what she said, whereas I'm going oh. to dinner with friends. Yeah, that was probably 08. Yeah. Oh, 
Well, yeah, but you were well, not happy to be there. Clearly, it wasn't anyone's fault. I was just like <laughs> focused. Like I just, I, I just, I just had nothing to give. I remember thinking because you know when you're like around people, you're like, God, I should be in a better mood, and more, and these people are going to think I'm so boring and a ter- that's like I was just like. This is what I'm giving people tonight. I just wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to like tap myself out and say, I'm incomplete. Yeah. Like I can't be judged. I wasn't supposed to even be here. <laughs> How did you get there? Cause Bernad, like <laughs> Bernad, I love that. We'll have to send this to him. He'll know that we like, he is insatiable when it comes to being social. Yes, he is like to the nth degree. Totally. And I love him for it because sometimes when I'm not in the mood to do that, like, you know, it's good to have a friend who's always wanting to do stuff because it yeah. kind of pulls you out. I know. I always text him whenever I'm like, I want to go to a party. I text Dave. Like, yeah. Where, where do, where do I go? Yeah. Cause I, I don't mean, know where to go. So most of those parties will not be fun no. in any way, but, but don't he you will sometimes provo- want to go out like just every once in a while. I'm like, I want to go somewhere new. And yeah. so I'll text him and he'll tell me where to go. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's true. So yeah, but see, this is perfect that like five years later, we still had no have no idea why we were what? all together. <laughs> no, I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, well, there you go. That's another great I'm sorry night in that you were, I'm sorry you were so miserable. I, I, I think I was supposed to be like hitting on Bitsy, Betsy. I, well, I think maybe you were now that I'm putting it together. I so did not do my job I, I well. I feel like what happened was Bitsy brought me for Dave and yeah. Dave brought you for her. And then nothing happened or worked out in any degree. Yeah. Huh. But, you know. We're great people for it. (laughs) Well, next time. See, we should have been friends. See, if we had... Yeah, you're right. We probably would have had a more fun dinner if we were all 22. Yeah. And nobody cared. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so... How long were you in the mailroom? Not long. Um, I don't know. Maybe eight weeks. Is that it before you got promoted? Well, well it, it's all a little bit of luck of the draw because the way that UTA worked is different desks would open up. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wanted, at the time, uh, I, I really wanted to work for someone who represented writers and directors. So uh, motion picture lit is mm-hmm. what I really wanted to focus on. And I was lucky that um, uh, this lady who, <laughs> she was amazing. God, I, I, she, she was she hated her assistant <laughs> hated and she would have her name shauna eddie and i love her and she's the best and and she shauna eddie and stephanie elaine the the lady i've mentioned beforehand are hugely instrumental in what i know about hollywood and i give them uh, all the credit in the world i've always loved working for women and they were two awesome women um but shauna at the time hated her assistant like poison oh my god she would <laughs> yell at him and throw things at him and and all sorts of crazy stuff and I ended up, he was like out for a few days. And the guy who ran the mailroom was just like, all right, Farrah, you go to Shauna Eddie's desk. And, you know, she's she's tough, but uh, maybe you'll get along with her. And we got along together very, very well. I think just because, you know, it's like when you hate someone so much and yes. then this other fellow comes in and you're like, like, anyone oh. else, great. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so we really, we really connected. We were, we were friends. And, 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 I, and then that kid ended up leaving or getting fired or something within like a few weeks. I'd already like covered for him once or twice. So we had a thing. Uh, Sean and I had a good relationship and I interviewed and I got the job. So it was only after like eight weeks. But so much of it is like luck at the draw. Mm-hmm. And, um, no, Shauna was Shauna was great. We we used to get into it. It was I loved it. What's get into it? Like we would yell at each other, but for fun. Like I think <laughs> no, it was serious. like moonlighting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I had never thought of it uh, in that way in the Sybil Shepherd and and Bruce Willis scenario, but that does make a lot of yes. sense. She was uh, she was very good at what she did, and uh, and you know I think we just decided to like each other early on and get together get along. But then like when she would piss me off, I'd let her know, and when I, I would piss her off, she would let me know, and we would like, but we'd always like make up. It's all fun. Like you got to have some fun. While it was like an it. episode of Suits. I you had I've never seen Suits, <laughs> so you, you, I understand moonlighting, but not Suits. Not Suits. And okay. then and then. Um, I yeah I helped her I actually helped her get married in a weird way really so she she is an attractive lady and she was always dating these idiot like face guys like like guys who are like underwear models and shit <laughs> face like guys that. yeah <laughs> I've never heard people refer to as face guys oh really like yeah, yeah 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 face guys yeah and and I would meet these they were like it's like that old Seinfeld like where uh, uh, Dan Cortez played a mimbo like a male right. bimbo. they were like mimbos they, yeah. they really were. 
I meet these guys. I'm like, Shauna, what are you doing with these idiots? You know? And, and she's like, ah, and she just was all over the place. And another agent there set her up with this guy and, um, named Nick Groff. And, uh, and so I would always like help her set her date because I knew her schedule. So yeah. I knew like when she was going on a date <laughs> and she went out with Nick and I'd always, and the next morning I was like, so how'd it go? Cause I just, I was curious. I wanted to know. She was like, Oh God, he's like a total nerd. I'm, I'm never going to see him again. And then, but he kept calling and to like try and get another date with her. And I became like friends with him. And right. I kept on like pulling for him and I kept on like harassing Shauna. I know he's a nerd. I know you're not attracted to him. You just, he's loaded. So that's a good thing of the right. positives. He's got a ton of money. Like he's a good guy. Like I have a good feeling about this. You should just go out one more time. She said, no, 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 no. Like three weeks went on and I kept on harassing her. They went out for, she finally said yes. They went out for a second time. They've been together ever since. Wow. And they gave me credit at the wedding. That's I wasn't invited awesome. to the wedding. <laughs> I mean, I'm like friendly with them, but I'm not like wedding friends. Right. But they did give me credit. And I, yeah, he was a great guy. He's a great businessman. And, and you know, it was, it was, it was cool. She, That's I, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And now they have like three kids and, and the whole thing. The fairy tale. How long were you on her desk for? Uh, not that long. Maybe um, eight, nine months. Mm-hmm. We got along really well, but uh, my behavior there uh, wasn't really celebrated by <laughs> a few important people. Why? Uh, I just probably had like an attitude. And like, I also just didn't take this whole world seriously. And being an agent is all about taking yourself seriously yeah. because everyone's so miserable. So they have to do some things like take themselves really seriously. Right. Um, and so a few people there like did not like my antics. And basically I was, I was going to be fired. That's kind of a, a constant. <laughs> I've been fired a lot, um, but but no. So yeah, I was about to be fired, and Sundance was coming up, and and Shauna at the time kind of was the co-head of the independent film group. So she went to Sundance, and she was just like, and I saw this all go down because I was watching it, and like the the head guy, this guy Jeremy Zimmer, is just like was talking to Shauna and and said I, I like I was gone like I can't go to Sundance and and all this stuff and she's and so she was like upset but she had no you know what if the boss says this kid has to go she's not like gonna right. get in the way and so she's like well yeah the the bad news is like yeah they pretty much want you out of here but uh and I was just like well let me go to Sundance like help me get to Sundance and she agreed and she was awesome and I went to Sundance the second half of the week and I saw a movie called Hustle and Flow yeah directed by Craig Brewer and I fell in love with the movie and um after the the screening I bumped into Craig on Main Street at Park City and I introduced myself and like the next week I was working for him and Stephanie Lane his producing partner wow and so So you're good at this meet and greet thing Clearly, you you make good first impressions, except with me and Bitsy, apparently. Yes, exactly, because <laughs> I had nothing to gain from you. Right, no, um, right. I don't know. I Well, they just, I don't know. I mean, when I talked to Craig, I guess he could tell I really fucking love that movie. I still love that movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all about having a dream. Everybody's got to have a dream, you know, and, um, and, and, and so much of Hollywood is just timing and luck and, and just all of those things. And, and there's no r- real rhyme or reason when things are going to happen. But w- when they do, you just kind of have to make the most of it. And, and I was very fortunate. So I hooked up with Craig and Stephanie and I was able to work on two movies with them and they got a production deal at Paramount. So I ended up heading up development for them at Paramount and, and we were there for two and a half years. And, um, uh, they're, they're great. I mean, they, they, they were awesome to work with and to be at such a small company and be able to work on basically everything on hustle and flow post Sundance and then two other movies was, yeah. was huge. So I got onset experience as well. And I don't know. I just always, uh, you and Bitsy not included. I was always just friends, <laughs> able to become friends with everyone and, and, and they trusted me to do a lot of things. And, and I was always just really, um, I just love putting stuff together. I always felt like what's a producer who gets nothing made. Yeah. It's just a dude or girl who goes on a bunch of fucking meetings. And I, that I, seems like a bummer or a writer who never gets anything made. And it's, yeah, it sucks. It does suck. But I just, I just really wanted to get stuff made. So I always had stuff going on the side and that's just how I operated. And um, what kind of stuff? web stuff mm-hmm. because then so that g- that job at paramount ended with the first day of the writer's strike oh right so the deal was over the the job was no more and and there's no jobs to have because of the writer's strike but the writer's strike is what helped me become a producer because no one cared about the web and um my brother who's a writer and director who also now works at funnier die 
we were able to sell some projects at the time, some web stuff. And that's how I ended up meeting so many comedians because we did all of our casting just by going to UCB shows. Wow. Yeah. That's so Oh, I'll smart. tell you who was in the cast of the very first web thing. Well, not the very first, but the first web thing we sold. This was the cast. Uh, the lead was Harris Whittles. Nice. His friends were Wyatt Sinek, uh, Anthony Jeselnik, Brett Weinbach, and Michael Bush. Wow, three, two of those people have been on this podcast. Well, there you go. Yeah, and and we, I was just like, oh my god, there is like so much talent. At so UCB. many funny people. It's yeah, insane. Like, and all you had to do was get off your ass and go to a show. And that was <laughs> what I also loved about film festivals. Is the same thing I love about comedy. After a show, everyone's just loitering around, hoping mm-hmm. someone talks to them. Yeah. So if you're the person who says that was awesome and like we should figure out ways to do stuff, they're like, like okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they just want to do more stuff. Yeah, and especially if you're like legit and like do what you say you're going to do and bring them opportunities. Like, I mean, it's it's not that hard. I think that's so cool. So you were selling web stuff, and is that what led you to Funny or Die? Yeah, so funnier. So we got a bunch of stuff going. I, I would, I would actually Bernad. He would call me the Scott Rudin of the internet because, <laughs> like, I was working for myself, and I would get some stuff sold. I, all these comedians who were selling web series at the time. Who were you selling stuff to? Uh, it was it was sixty frames right at the time, mm-hmm. and and I got hired to produce some stuff for Super Deluxe. And and uh, offset of Adam Films, mm-hmm. even before Adam Films, and uh, Comedy dot com, and and we did do some stuff for Funny or Die. And I remember thinking, um, do you know that editor uh, Ryan Case? Mm-mm. So she she was great. She had me. That's how I first met Jerry Minor. Um, and Jerry had me do some stuff that we put on Funny or Die. And I was thinking, like, what is going on with Funny or Die? Because it just seems it didn't seem like anything. They had like a few big videos, but nothing was really popping. Mm-hmm. So like, it's actually weird. Like, uh, I don't know if I've ever even admitted this, but like four months before I started working at Funny or Die, maybe even like six months, I had this mm-hmm. insane premonition that I was going to work at Funny or Die. And I even got in touch with Ryan Case. I'm like, what's the story there? But like, she was friends with the person who was kind of like the head writer. And so there wasn't really an opening there, but I guess that wasn't the person that they were kind of looking for. And then funnier. I ended up featuring a bunch of the things that I had made with my brother and other people. And that's what led to me getting my job. Wow. And did you contact them or how did that? No. So we started featuring, you ran into them at a party. No, (laughs) I did. I did run into some of them at a party. Um, but, uh, how did it work? Um, so through Jerry Minor, I met Jerry O'Connell mm-hmm. because they were on that show, uh, uh, Carpoolers. Oh, yeah. Is that the one TJ was on? Yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And Jerry had some stuff and he needed, because like what I was doing, I was producing all this stuff. I'd do everything for people. I'd like schedule it. I'd budget it. I'd help cast. It, I'd get locations, like all the stuff that creative people don't have to worry about. I would just do. Mm-hmm. That was like my niche. And so I was doing, and, and, and Jerry, and so through Jerry, like the funnier die posted some of the stuff I was doing with Jerry. And that's how I met Owen Burke just over email. Who's a mm-hmm. consultant at funnier die and executive at Gary Sanchez. And we just struck up an email relationship. And, um, I said, Hey, I, you know, I, I, I know you're busy, but I'd love to like grab a, you know, lunch or coffee or something at some point. And, and he said, yes. And so I met up with him and I'd seen him at UCB perform and I loved him. He's yeah. like one of the funniest people ever. And, uh, and we just hit it off. And at the time I didn't know it, but like my premonition was right because I didn't know it, but at the time they were looking for someone to kind of like change things up. And I was basically already doing what I, I, what the what job they, they yeah, were exactly for. Oh, on my own. And so then, and then, you know, I went through a whole bunch of interviews and, and again, like I feel very blessed because to have no connection because you know how Hollywood is. It's like, oh, yeah, this person's assistant who was a manager. No, it's all connected. Right. I had I was, you know, working at Paramount doing primarily dramatic films. I had no connection to these guys. <laughs> and I feel very fortunate that they they took uh, a chance on me. Um, but it's been a win win ever since. Yeah. <laughs> so like it's been huge uh, it's been huge for me that i've gotten to work here but we've also been able to do a ton of shit together how has your position changed since you started here it's just kind of grown organically with the company mm-hmm. um i don't know I, it's it's you know 
I, I just always think like a producer. So a producer should know what's going on in terms of creative and budgets and schedules and marketing and selling. And that's just what you do. So I'm always thinking that way. And uh, we were just able to get so much stuff going very organically. And because of the people we were able to work with and, and the people that work here, you can't do it by yourself, obviously. Yeah. So you need to have a great team around you. And then um, I just don't stop. No, seriously. Like, I just. I mean, I've noticed that since I've been here. It's just been like yeah. one thing after the other after that, you know. It's, yeah, no, it's I, cool. I want. It's inspiring. It's cool to watch. Well, thanks. I like if the there's if there's you there's so little you can control in Hollywood, then that's just the way it is. But you can control like essentially how bad you want it, yeah. You know, and, and how what are you willing to do? I, I, like I grew up playing sports, and I, I I do I I love cheesy sports like like Gatorade ads, you know, and uh, <laughs> I I just I that's just how I think. I'm I'm not I'm competitive without like being a dick, but like I I'm very competitive with myself. I don't think I just think if you really want to be great at something, then you just have to decide to do that. And I have a lot to learn, obviously, and a, a long ways to go. But I I just literally refuse to think anyone will outwork me. Do you work every day? Yes. How many hours a day do you work? Do you say? Would you think? Well, you know, with like iPhones and kind of, I, I work in some capacity from when I wake up until when I go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Like I, there, there is no, like I'm at the office, you know, typically depending on the day, I mean, you know, between nine 30 and like today, what time is it? Seven 20. Because you're taking up so much time. I know. Um, I'm sorry. I will. We're, we're almost done tonight. I will be here until 10. Really? Yeah. And, um, and that's just cause I rescheduled my dinner. So I'll, I'll be here until 10 and then I will go to Gelson's and buy some sort of frozen food and microwave that. Um, and then, uh, see, there's Owen Burke, the man who got me <gasps> Hi, my Owen job Burke. at, at Funny or Die. <laughs> I was <laughs> just talking about you. Come in. We are podcasting. <laughs> that's so funny. We were just talking about you. Mike was saying how funny you are. It's true. I said, you're the reason I'm at Funny or Die. Hi, Owen. Say hi to the people at home. Hello, people at home. (laughs) (laughs) Owen Burke, everybody. That's just so weird that, yeah, you just popped up in the window. This this is, and here I'm celebrating over five years because of Owen Burke. We got together in June of 2008. Wow. The Hillary Clinton in grade school video, the schoolyard. Yeah, young Hillary Clinton. Was Was that your first one? One of them, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't here. He and his brother, right? Chris yeah, and Jerry. And with Jerry O'Connell, and I knew Jerry O'Connell from Joe's apartment. Joe's apartment. This movie we made in the nineties. Oh right, I remember that movie. And uh, and I was a PA on it. And we became friends. I was. He reached out to me, and I was just so blown away by Mike that he they like Jerry thought of the idea on a Thursday. They shot it over the weekend in a school with kids. And and it came out on it was a Memorial Day weekend too. Yeah, it was like crazy. Wow. So it was like this crazy feat of pr- producing, <laughs> and it looked great, and it was funny, and it was relevant, and it was all of these things. And he made it happen. And I was like, I gotta meet this guy. Yeah. And I was had, I was going through the cabbage soup diet at the time. <laughs> you were really. Yeah. I, uh, went through the cabbage soup diet at the time, so I was like very careful about what we ate. So we met for like tea or something like that, or coffee, or you ate and I watched you. Yeah. So Laura de Coenga. It was like the day I could only eat bananas along with the cabbage soup. Oh God, that sounds disgusting. horrible. And I would like walk. I'm so cheap. I didn't buy a scale, and I would like walk to Bed Bath and Beyond like once a day and weigh myself. <laughs> It was a terrible point in my life. And then, but Mike Farrow was a shining light. And I remember I was going back and I was like, you guys have to meet this guy. He's insane. If he's the real deal, he's the real deal. And we met and that was it, right? Yeah. And fucking, you so, ooh, sorry. No, you can swear on this. Oh, is this for, is this for people? This is for nerds. Yeah. Oh, for nerds. Yeah. So then he just brought the heat and then uh, <laughs> he, he transformed Funnier Die. Really? Yeah, he's the panther. He's, uh, he's the panther. Ooh, I like that. He's like almost blushing. Yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. He just invigorated this place with energy and positivity. <laughs> and he, this is the one thing about Mike Farah. If he says he can do it, he can do it. If he says he's not going to do it, that means he can't do it. 
and then it happens. But he, he won't say, I can do it, and then he doesn't do it. Or he says, I can't do it, and then does it, which no one ever does. But no. <laughs> he, if he says he can do it, he does it, and every time he says it, he does it. And it's so rare in this town that someone who says they're going to do something and does it, and they do it, and it's done. I mean, that's pretty, that's like the best endorsement I've ever heard. It's incredible. That's, that it's is amazing. Like, if, you, if we worked as plumbers and you say, I could fix this pipe and you did it, everyone's like, yeah, you did it, you're a plumber. But in this day, <laughs> I'll do it, and then they never do it. <laughs> so I'll work with that guy anytime. It's so rare when you meet someone who says they're going to do something and then they do it. And so we've been, I mean, we're thrilled. And the, I think Funnier Die is a better place for it. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're just happy to have him. I mean, that's the, that's the coolest thing ever. How does that make you feel? I'm a very emotional person. I, I could probably start crying if I, if I actually could. I mean, I, to be able to work with these guys, I, you know, I, I just would wish, I mean, I would hope everyone gets a chance to do something that they love with people that they love at some point. And I've just been, it's like, it's like that line in Anchorman where, where Ron Burgundy is talking about how he's been co- going to the same party for 12 years and it's no way that's depressing. And that's how I feel. I've been going to the same party for five years and I feel like we're just beginning. Um, we have a long ways to go. I mean, that's so cool. Yeah, it's really special. It's like we're, we, I feel the same way. I feel lucky. This is about Mike, not about Owen Burke. <laughs> you may have seen me laughing. My reaction shots at the James Franco roast. I'm hearing all about my reaction. I did see your reactions at James Franco roast. <laughs> a lot of buzz off my you were with shots. Seth Morris, right? Seth Morris. Yeah. He's not getting as much reaction shot buzz as I am. I told my manager, I'm like, jump on this. Yeah. <laughs> Professional audience member. Get me in the infomercials. Get me, <laughs> get me in like Carson. No, he's not right anymore. Oh, I'm like, um, yeah, it's it's great to be uh, on the ground floor or something like this. Like to see Funnier Die built and you know from the very beginning and Mike being a part of that and really just going every time. You know, we're moving. This is our third place, and every time we move, we move every two years, and it's because of Funnier Die. Because we move somewhere, we get too big for a place. Like the first place we were at, it was like a pirate ship. Everything <laughs> around one room. <laughs> table, I'm like dying of dysentery. Because we're like sharing a bathroom and people are editing videos on the floor. So we have to move. Hey, everyone gets their own office. Six months later, no one has their own office. There's five people to an office. Again, it's like a pirate ship. And people are passing rum around. we got to move again. Then we move to this place. Huge. Oh, two floors? Forget it. And then, bam, two years later, it's too small. we got to move again. It's funnier dying. It's because well, I hope you have a slide at your new place because there's a slide here, and I love it. It's great. And, you know, it's, it's just because Mike Farah and the amazing people here, like Andrew Steele, the editors, the directors, all these people who keep coming through this building and are doing amazing work. It's, it's wonderful to watch it grow and to be a, a little bit a part of it. It's, it feels amazing. I mean, that's so cool. I feel like Mike's going to cry. I've been known to cry. I, I won't cry, but I, I might. I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy to hear that. And uh, thank you, Owen. That's 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 very nice of you to say. That is so sweet. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's it's a family here. So it's that's so. This is, it's amazing. It's just like Owen said. It's amazing that, like, you get so much credit just for doing what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing fancy about what we're doing. We're just doing the work. And if and that's what it comes down to. Well, I have just one more question that I always ask bye, everyone. Owen. Oh, bye, Owen. Good to see you. Thank you. Um, and then I'll leave you alone because I know you have going to be here till ten. Yeah. Um, so this is the question I ask everyone to end the podcast. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who's starting out today who wants to do what you do? Um, I mean, th- there's there are schools for producing. <laughs> but no school can teach you how to produce. I mean, it's just, you either do it or you don't. You either know how to put people together and, and, and work with creative people and, and figure out a way for that creativity to become something that people can see or watch or consume in some way, or you don't. Um, but it's also, it's also like anything. It's like, you have to like work out those muscles. The more you do it, you know, the better you get at it. It's like the, the, it's like the 10,000 hour rule, mm-hmm. you know, in that Malcolm Gladwell book. And so, you know, if you, if you want to do it, 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 it's there for the taking there, are, there, are, there has never been more ways to get more things made cheaply that people can see between online and digital and social media and just all the ways that people consume content, you know, don't wait for someone to, uh, 
to hand it to you. No one's going to hand it to you. So you have to, you have to start doing it. And, and every big, th- actually Jeff Ross told me this and I, I love it. Like you said, like every big thing starts small mm-hmm. and, and it's amazing. Like whether you're putting together a short film with, you know, three friends in high school or you're producing a hundred million dollar movie, you know, it's all the same stuff. Thematically, it's all the same stuff. It's like whether you're figuring out Hugh Jackman's beard or like what friend's house to shoot at in between what hours, it's all producing. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. But again, you, you just have to go and start because no one there, there's just, unless you're just rich and you just want to finance things, um, you just have to start and, and that's all there is to it. And that's, that's, that's what's exciting, but also intimidating because it's up to the person. Yeah. It's like the answer that everyone wants to hear and no one wants to hear. Yeah. Like, yeah. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> totally. But you know, um, that's again, not to sound like a jerk, but like when I moved to Hollywood and like, I saw the people working in Hollywood, I'd be like, if these people can do it, <laughs> no, seriously, like, yeah. Yeah, like, like, like there's no secret formula. Mm-hmm. Like, is for someone who didn't know anything about Hollywood and had no connection. Like you get here, you know how like in finance and like different industries, people use big fancy words so that they make you feel like they know something that no one knows anything. Right. And if you just are passionate about what you're doing and, and believe in what you're trying to do and who gives a shit, like what other people think, like you're going to be happy that you're doing it. And, um, and it's, it's not rocket science. I yeah. mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, you know, having fun and being creative and, and, and working hard and, and, and all that stuff that Owen Burke just spoke about. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And thank you you. everyone for listening. Bye. Now leaving nerdist.com.